This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time right now, where we are going to be getting into our Bible study for the day, which is in Daniel chapter 9 now, which is going to be absolutely amazing. But before we do, Gemma has another clue for our quiz, which nobody has yet. So 1-800-324-843. Get ready to give us a call. There is a prize available for you. Gemma, what have you got? The next clue is, the lame man at the gate called Beautiful asked Peter and John for this. Okay, what were they asking for? If you know the answer, give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669. Gemma, what is our prize for today? The prize today is a copy of the book by Ivor Myers, Prayer Bootcamp Training. So it is 90 days to get a spiritually fit you. Okay, there you go. And anything by Ivor Myers I find to be excellent material. So give us a call right now if you know what it was that Peter and John didn't have. Ooh. I had something else instead that was a bit better. But they did not have this. So if you know what they did not have, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 for your free copy of the Ivor Myers book. Bible study time, Gemma. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9. We have the greatest messianic prophecy found anywhere in the Bible. It's actually just a portion of the much larger prophecy, which is all about the judgment. Okay, so let's do a little bit of a recap of where we are up to so far. In Daniel chapter 8, we have a prophecy about a ram, a goat, a great horn, four horns, a little horn, a time period, and the judgment. Yes. And the angel Gabriel comes along in uh, the end of the prophecy in chapter 8 and explains in plain language who the ram is, who the two horns are, who the goat is, who the great horn is, who the four horns are, who the little horn is, how long the prophecy is, and when the judgment will begin. Super specific. Very, very clear, plain language explanation of the prophecy. He just leaves out one detail, and it's because of this one detail that's left out that Daniel turns around like, I have no idea. In the last verse of the prophecy, like, I have no idea what this prophecy is about. I'm so <laughs> totally confused. And so you've got to, kind of got to feel bad for Daniel. And the detail that has been left out, we noted this yesterday, the Bible says under 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. There's none to in this prophecy, but there's no from. There's no, you know, normally when we give a time prophecy or a time period, I should say, we say from here unto here. Mm. All of this prophecy gives you is the unto. But if we know There is no from. But if we know where the unto is, can we not backtrack to figure out where the from is? You could if you knew where the unto was. <sighs> if you knew the ending date, you could backtrack and you could find the starting date. Nice. You'd find out, well, what happened in that year when that started? Oh, that happened. Okay. Now we know where that fits in. The problem is that the ending date refers to the judgment, and we know that the judgment takes place in heaven. Oof. Before Jesus comes back, because the Bible says, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 16. 
Matthew chapter 16, and we will go to, let me see here. Why does the verse has escaped me right now? Oh, I'm in 14. No wonder it has escaped me. Uh, if, okay, that's better. Chapter 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Okay, let me read this to you from the King James Version. <clears throat> For the Son of Man, it's totally different meaning right here. The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels and then he will reward everyone according to his deeds. That sounds better than judge. I would yeah. rather have a reward than a judgment. Absolutely. Uh, and of course... This then lines up with what else the Bible says about the return of Christ because in other places the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly, and Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. So the Bible very, very clearly says that when Jesus comes back, his reward is with him. In other words, judgment is not about to take place. It has already taken place. This is where the universe yes. judges. The universe watches Got on Got it. while God judges. Because God doesn't need to find out who's saved and who's lost. He's holding judgment in open court. So there's no doubt or question as to whether he is all loving, righteous and good. And some people say, well, no, no one's ever going to question God. Wait a minute. If you never question, you're just a blind follower. You're just a robot. And God did not create robots. God created beings that have the power of choice. And in a perfect universe, Satan questioned God. Now the universe is imperfect and Satan is making accusations left, right and centre. And some of those accusations would hold a fair bit of water if God did the judgment in secret. The universe looking on would be like, okay, why is God doing this in secret? It looks a little sus. It totally looks <laughs> sus. Of course it looks sus, and of course what would that mean, then would mean, was that when God comes to the point where he destroys sin and Satan and his angels and sinners and there is no sin anywhere in the universe, like just like none, mm. there'd still be people out there like, but yeah, that was done in secret. Mm. And sooner or later it's going to come back again. And God's like, okay, we've had sin. We're only going to have this once. We're never going to have this again. Yeah, so this so has to be finished and fixed has once to be, and for all. This has to yeah. be transparent. The whole process has to be transparent. Mm. So that's what the judgment is held in open court. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, 10, uh, will tell you about the judgment being held in open court. We read those verses yesterday. Okay. So, in our prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, we're given the unto this particular period. Then the judgment will begin. We know that when the judgment begins, you're on a one-way path through to the second coming. Uh, the Bible describes it as being like birth pains. You're going to see all of the signs of the times increasing in exponentially. Ooh. I was listening to some research yesterday. Mm -hmm. Historical research. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. It was called... Caesar at the Battle of Hastings. Okay. Now, cool. for those who know their history, know that Caesar ruled in uh, about 50 BC and the Battle of Hastings was fought in 1066. Yep, sure. So he wasn't there. Interesting. But basically what they were saying was they're asking the question, okay, you've got a thousand-year gap. And if you pitted uh, Caesar up against William of Normandy, who would win? And the conclusion was Caesar would absolutely 
destroy and demolish. Conclusively win the battle that in 1066 was won by William of Normandy. Okay, cool. And so over a thousand-year period, yes, you have a increase in knowledge and technology, but not significant enough to change the, the form of a battle. Mm. Then they looked at, okay, what if we went back further than that and we went back to Alexander's Macedonian army, you know, 330 BC, and pitted that army against the Duke of Wellington at the Battle of Waterloo just over 200 years ago. Now, the Battle of Waterloo, they've got gunpowder. And they find that, once again, Alexander's Macedonian army from, you know, 1,300 years earlier, sorry, 2,300 years earlier, is a very close-run thing. It's, It's actually hard to pick who would win that battle. Even with the technology advancement. Even with the technology advancement of today. Wow. And yet, if you take, for instance... One sniper from today's army. Australian sniper from today's Australian army. One sniper. Yeah. And you send him back in time by himself. Okay. Just one sniper on his own could change and defeat any besieging army of the past. So you put him inside a city that has been laid siege to, he could break the siege on his own. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that's a massive, dramatic increase. You think about this. In World War I, at the beginning of World War I, the fastest thing on the battlefield was a horse. Yeah. Go back to the time of Abraham. The fastest thing on the battlefield is a horse. Oh, Nothing true. has changed. World War II comes just 25 years after World War One, and at the end of World War Two, the fastest thing on the battlefield was a jet fighter. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I mean, you, you start to wrap your head around that. That's a massive J-curve moving forward right there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was going to say, that's like a pretty big jump for only 25 years difference, like from a horse to a jet plane. Like, come on. Yeah. That's huge. That's a massive jump, and, you know, you've broken the speed of sound. Huge, yeah. (laughs) You've gone from the fastest thing on the battlefield as a horse to breaking the speed of sound that quickly. And, of course, it has only increased at that same exponential rate since then. Mm. Okay, so, you know, we we, we, we look at uh, the beginning, we, we look at where we are in the world today, and we would say, if the judgment indicates that the signs of the times are going to be, you know, J-curving up, (laughs) then we would think that the judgment has already begun. If we look around us and we see the birth pains, the labor pains that these uh, signs of the times are described as in the Bible, Jesus describes them as being like labor pains. And once they start, they're just going to continue happening and they're going to get closer and closer together the nearer and nearer you get to the end of time. Mm-hmm. We can see that happening, and so we would say, you know what? I think the judgment has already begun. Yeah. But we can do better. Ooh. Because the Bible gives us a date. Yes. For the beginning of the judgment. Yes. The Bible doesn't give you a date for the return of Christ. No. 
Last time God closed probation on the entire world, he gave a date for it, and it didn't work. Hmm. He knew it wouldn't work, but just in case there were those out there who would say, well, you, shouldn't have, you should have given them a date and more people would have repented. He's done it once. He knows He's shown the whole universe, no, that doesn't work. That's not how you save people. Of course, that was at the time of the flood. And so this time around, he's doing the opposite. He's like, no, I'm not giving you a date. You need to be ready all the time. Because mm. I did that before and it didn't work. That's right. Yeah. And you have seen that it didn't work. And I knew that it wouldn't work, but you now you've seen it. Yep. However, Ooh. here's what God does. God gives us a whole slew of signs. It's like when you see these things, these things happening, when you see them happening simultaneously, when you see them getting closer together, when you see them increasing in intensity, just like birth pains, then you know that it's close. Mm-hmm. So that's good. We can know that it's close. And he's like, I can't give you a date for the second coming. But here's what I will do. I'll give you a date for the beginning of the judgment because that's like kind of like the next best thing. That way you know that you're living in the time of the end. You know, so God has gone pretty much as far as he can go without actually giving the specific date to let us know that he's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where this 2,300-day prophecy comes in. And once again, if you are just tuning in, you'd say, well, 2,300 days in the time of Daniel, that's not very long. It's like seven years or something or other. That's a very short period of time. Except that you need to remember that in Bible prophecy, a day symbolizes a year. Which makes that a very long time. A very long time. And it's going to land us in recent history. Yes. It's going to land us in modern history. And here's the fascinating thing about this date. You take any of the signs that Jesus gave, you know, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, you know, all the things that Jesus said, these are going to be signs that are going to be coming like birth pains. In other words, they're going to be J-curving up, taking place simultaneously, you know, J-curving up the nearer that uh, my return comes. Mm -hmm. Take any one of those signs, put them on a graph, run them through the date that is given in 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 Daniel 8.14. Run them through that date and just see what happens. The J-curve's going to look exactly it the same. Just It just skyrockets mm. at that point. And it has not ceased to go backwards since that point. It's true. Yeah. This is exciting. It's so exciting. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just exciting, just, just excited, just, just, just talking about this. Okay, so Daniel chapter nine, of course, uh, Daniel just received this prophecy, two thousand three hundred days. Then the sanctuary will be cleansed. That's confusing for Daniel. He is opening his window toward Jerusalem three times a day. He's praying for the restoration of the temple that is in Jerusalem, and uh, he is wondering, you know, when is this restoration going to take place? Two thousand three hundred days. Well, that's you know seven years. Well, that's kind of impossible. Because mm-hmm. you've got to have the rise of Medo-Persia, you have the, ri- the rise and fall of Medo-Persia, rise and fall of Greece, rise and fall of Imperial Rome, rise and fall of the uh, Holy Roman Empire, rise and fall of the Antichrist. It's all got to take place within seven. So it's kind of impossible. He's also very familiar with the day for year principle because this is something that the Jewish people use extensively in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And two thousand three hundred days, years—that's like way in the future. How could that even be possible? And so he's doing his head in. And so like any good Bible student, he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig out the Bible and I'm going to study all the prophecies that there are about the rebuilding of the temple. And this is what he does. Would you like to read for us Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2? 
It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahuerus. Okay, let me stop right there before we go any further. Um, <clears throat> here we have Darius the Mede, who rules for two years in the city of Babylon, the son of Ahasuerus or Astyages. Uh, the Mede, uh, this makes him um, Cyrus's uncle. Cool. And the first year of his reign means that basically what has happened is that Daniel has had this vision in chapter 8. Then there has been a war with the Medes and the Persians. Mm. That is now over, and it's kind of like the first time he has the opportunity to actually sit down and do some Bible study. He's got some peace and quiet. He's got some peace and quiet. Finally. As soon as he's got peace and quiet, notice what he does. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So he's gone digging, hasn't he? He's trying to figure out this prophecy or partial prophecy he receives in chapter 8. And so he goes digging and he finds his prophecies like, okay, 70 years. How does this work in with the 2,300 years? That would be confusing, wouldn't it? Mm. Jerusalem's going to be desolate for 70 years. And that's going to be up kind of soon. How does this actually work? <laughs> and so he does some serious praying, and we studied his prayer a little bit earlier. Um, but his prayer comes in two parts. The first part of his prayer is his confession. He makes himself right with God. He makes his people, his nation, right with God. Then having done that, you get to the second part of his prayer, and the Bible describes this as his supplication. So confession followed by supplication. Yep. Uh, you ever use the word supplication? Not in my regular everyday today speak. Here's your challenge for today. In your regular everyday speak, between now and the end of the show... Oh, no. <laughs> use the word supplication. Okay. It simply means, and a half. It oh. simply means request. He is asking for something. Okay. So my supplication is... Da, 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 da. Okay. Challenge accepted. All right, challenge has been accepted. We'll see if Gemma can uh, work this one in uh, somewhere within the show today. Uh, but the word supplication is, you know, this is my supplication. This is my request. This is what I'm asking for. Let me read it to you. It comes in in verse 17. Daniel 9, verse 17. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication, his request. And cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Here is the crux of Daniel's prayer. He's like, what is going on? 2,300 years? 70 years? What's going on? Mm. I don't know what's going on, God, but please cause your face to... We, we want to see the sanctuary made right. We want to see it made clean. We want to see a day of atonement take place there. Okay. It's like he's got all these pictures, like all these puzzle pieces, and he knows what the overall picture is meant to be, but he just can't figure out how to put these yeah. puzzle pieces together. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's this... got all the pieces there. Uh -huh. It's right in front of him. He knows what the picture should look like, but he just can't do it. Because Gabriel left out a detail. Mm. Just one detail. There's one little there's, piece that's there's, missing. <laughs> there's one piece from missing from the puzzle. <laughs> and because of that one piece that's missing, none of the other pieces actually fit. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay. All right. Uh, keep reading for us there in verse 18. 
Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Okay, so he's 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 praying for his city and his temple that is uh, in ruins. That's some like solid heartfelt prayer. Oh yeah, keep going. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. Okay, so he's praying about the restoration of the city and the restoration of the temple. Mm. And then something incredibly dramatic happens. It says, And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking... Gabriel turned up. We're going to listen to, uh, let me see here, Alana Rogers with How Long. You're listening to The Breakfast Show.
right, guys, that was Alana Rogers with How Long. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and we are in our Encounter with God section, which is the most amazing prophecy. So here's what we've got. <clears throat> Daniel has a prophecy. There's been a puzzle piece left out. Because of that missing puzzle piece, actually none of the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. He's trying to fit it together in his mind. It's not working. So he's studying his Bible. It's still not working. In fact, he's found a few extra pieces in his Bible, and they're not fitting into the puzzle either. <laughs> And so now he goes to his knees in prayer and he's praying about this particular puzzle and God hears his prayer. Mm. And God does something very special. God is in heaven and God commissions an angel no less than Gabriel. It's pretty awesome. Yes. Just imagine just being heartfelt. You know, in prayer about something on your knees, and then all of a sudden, bam! An angel rocks up. Like, this is, okay. This is this is, uh, this is the angel that visits Mary to announce the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ, the conception of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Huge. You know, this is this is this is no minor angel. This is like the biggest of the angels. Nice. The most important of the angels. You would feel special. We feel something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Gabriel turns up. <coughs> All right. Verse 20, 21, please. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. Okay. So notice here, uh, and this is the important thing, because here we, we start to see a whole bunch of connections. Um, that, that demonstrate that chapter 9 and chapter 8 are just, you know, the same prophecy. In fact, there's no prophecy in chapter 9. There's just a completed explanation of chapter 8. There's no no new prophecy, no new vision here, I should say. There's no vision in chapter 9. It's just uh, Gabriel comes back and finishes his conversation off, gives a whole bunch of details. But uh, basically, verse uh, 21, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning. Mm. What vision is he referring to? The one a couple of chapters Chap- ago. Chapter 8. Yeah. One, yeah. one, one chapter previous, ago. The yeah. previous chapter. Okay. Verse 20, 22, please. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Okay. Well, let me read it to you from mine. Here it says, <laughs> he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you understanding. Ooh. In other words, I didn't give you full understanding last time. So I'll come back to finish it off. Yeah, it kind of implies that there's a reason why I'm here now and didn't yeah. come before. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now, it's important to get the connection between these two chapters. Mm-hmm. Because chapter 9 gives you a starting date for chapter 8. And if you don't connect the two chapters together, you're never going to have a starting date for chapter 8. Yeah, that missing piece, is, you're never yeah, going to find it anywhere gonna else. you're never going to find it. But very clearly here, the whole conversation is about chapter 8, right? Mm-hmm. Um, verse 23. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you were very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. What vision? The vision in chapter 8. Yeah, because he hasn't had one yet. He's like, okay. And let me read once again, I'll read it from from the KJV as well. We're going to have uh, both translations as we work our way down through this. At the beginning of your supplication, yours says the beginning of your prayer. His supplication doesn't start until verse 17. This is important for me. For you? Yes. Not for me? It's important for me because um, 
the the the, the uh, supplication begins in verse seventeen and ends in verse nineteen, which means that Gabriel gets from heaven to earth in the space of three verses. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's fast. That's yeah. And I like speed. Yeah, that's why. There we go. Yes. Okay. So, uh, the beginning of your supplication, the commandment came forth. I have come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. And then he's given a specific command. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Mm-hmm. He's commanded to think about the vision. Except he hasn't had one yet, and he's not going to have one in chapter 9. All he has in chapter 9 is a conversation with an angel. Yeah. There is no vision. There can only be one vision yeah, that is referring to, to the, chapter the eight. only one in chapter 8. I'm just pointing... I, yeah. I know I'm making a, a, an issue of this, but I'm just pointing out the obvious. Yeah. There is no other. It's just chapter 8. That's it. You, you have no other <laughs> option here but to connect these two together. Yep. And when people separate the two chapters... Into two separate entities, two separate visions. Not only do they make fools out of themselves, but they make the Bible unintelligible. That is not how the Bible is designed to be. It was designed to be intelligible. Okay. Verse 24. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Okay. Let me read it from the KJV now. 70 weeks. Yours says 77s. 70 sets of seven, yeah. Which once again Which does my head in because you've got a thought yeah. <laughs> translation that actually has a more accurate word translation than my word translation has. Sometimes they just don't get things right. They just swap them around <laughs> sometimes. But anyway, but be that as it may, um, it's 70 weeks. That's the actual, uh, um, the actual meaning of it. 70 weeks are cut off for your people. Hmm. Hebrew word there is chatak. It simply means cut off. Okay, so I want you to think about this. If you are going to cut something off from something, Mm -hmm. you have to have something bigger to cut it off of, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're going to take a time period, if you take a time period of 70 weeks or 490 days, right? Mm -hmm. Because 70 times 7... Yep, it's 490. 490 yep. If you take a period of 490 days, you have to have something that is longer than 490 days to take to the 490 days off of. Yeah, okay, okay. got yeah. it. That's kind of the obvious, right? Makes sense. Yeah, the obvious. You, you can't escape. All right. So what are you going to cut it off of? The the other one. The 2300. You only days. have one option. The 2300 days. There's nothing else you could cut it off from. <laughs> There's like, no other option. This is the only one in chapter eight. Like, ah, it does my head in how people don't connect these two chapters together? It's like, what are you on? But anyway. It just makes sense. Yeah. I'm following. It's okay. good. We right, got right. it. It's good. We got it. We're there. 70 weeks are cut off for who? Who does it say in your translation? Mine says your people. Your holy city. Uh, mine gets to the holy city. It says your people and your holy city. Oh. There you go. Mine says 70 weeks cut off for your people. Oh, no, yeah, okay. your people and your holy city. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so yeah. your people and your holy city. So basically what Gabriel says is like, okay, we've got 2,300. We're going to cut 490 off of that. 
And within that 490-year period, there are a bunch of events that are going to take place. Yeah. All right. Or or should take place at least. Mm -hmm. So let's list them. What happens during this time period? Uh, Verse 24 there. What what events do we have? Finish their rebellion. Okay. Yep. Put an end to their sin. Uh Uh-huh. Atone for their guilt. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Confirm the prophetic vision and anoint the most holy place. That's a lot that has to happen. Okay. So let's... Look at two of those in particular. The Bible says to make reconciliation for their iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness or atonement. Who made atonement? I don't know. Yeah, you do. Do I? Because only one person can atone for our sins. It's Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So here's what you've got. Gabriel has just turned up and said, all right, we're going to cut off 490-year period right here. And within that 490-year period the Messiah is going to come. Nice! This prophecy is going to now focus its attention on Jesus Christ. And that's going to be tomorrow's Bible study. This is Wendell Kingborough with The Hand of God.
Some days, it can be hard to put food on the table, but there's no need to go hungry. Food Blessings is a community food bank for anyone with a student, pensioner or healthcare card. Every Thursday from 1 to 4pm at Armadale Seventh-day Adventist Church, you can get a full shopping bag of delicious and healthy food for only $15 and we'll even chuck in a free bag of fresh fruit and veggies. Food Blessings, every Thursday from 1 to 4pm at Armadale Seventh-day Adventist Church, 67 Erskine Street. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Oh, 
That was Scott Reid with Who He Is. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're about to have another clue for our... I can't believe that nobody's got this one yet. Gemma. I know. This is an easy one. one the prize is so good. Like, okay. 1-800-324-843. This is an Ivor Myers book. This is a good clue, though. Yes. The prize is great, but this is a good clue, so you'll get it. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and this because no man can serve two masters. You know what the actual answer to that is? Really? It's wrong? It's this word right here. The card's wrong? can't read your writing. I don't know what that says. Yeah, so you, you, haven't, even, um, you haven't even used that other word that I gave you to use today. I, I challenge a, you to... Uh, I'm about to. Why are you going to oh. wreck it? I was about to. I was about to be like, well, <laughs> have a supplication. I yeah. have a request. <laughs> that was going to be my segue and you just wrecked it. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> now, now the challenge just extends a little bit further because you've got a two-minute section at the end to work that one in. I just was going to work it in there. I was going to like, I have a supplication. I have a request. Right. Your request. What is your request? Could we do a question of the day that my friend has asked? Of course. Okay, That's cool. what question of the day is for. He has listening, hopefully. He better be listening. I told him to be listening because I'm going to answer his question. Well, he was listening yesterday, so it counts. He, yeah, well, he listened yesterday. So, yeah, I just messaged him and was like, make sure you're listening right now. He's using the app. Yes. For good. Listen, good. By the way. Faith FM Australia. It's a good app. app. Yeah. Does the job. It's uh, white with a red squiggly line. Yep. Easy to find. Get that one. So the question is, mm-hmm. is rock music satanic? Ooh. Yeah. Controversial. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Okay. So we're going to look at genres of music mm-hmm. because we need to talk about more than just one genre. Mm-hmm. There are, and, and okay, here you have the most unmusical person on the planet answering a question about music. That's okay. I've got the- with a person who <laughs> is incredibly musical sitting across from me. So <clears throat> here's how I see it: as an unmusical person, I see so many different genres of music, and then grey lines of demarcation that sort of exist between the two, where they sort of fade from one they to the next. They blur into each other. It's like it's okay, true. how do you define where one ends and the other starts? And throughout my life, I have come across some conservative Christians who have who uh, you know don't like to use their brains, and so they like to have just a line, you know, like like draw a line in the sand. This is the line you don't go across that line. Good. Now I don't need to think. I just don't go across that line because somebody has told me this is the line that you do not cross. Right. That is lazy Christianity. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about music. Uh, obviously, lyrics. Yeah. Is different is separate from music. Yeah, and uh, lyrics are very easy to decide whether they are giving glory and honor to God or whether they are satanic. Yeah, whether they're nice and clean and appropriate or whether they're talking about things that we really shouldn't be talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's very easy. So lyrics is very very easy to judge. You simply read them, and your answer is going to be right there. Music, on the other hand, is an interesting one. Okay, so. 99.9% of what the Bible says about music is that music is great. God invented music. God mm-hmm. is incredibly creative. And you can see that in the world around us. You can see it in the way that God created us in his image. We are creative beings. We find fulfillment in creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, within that, music can be bad. Yeah. There's a story in the Bible where the Bible says that Saul was oppressed by an evil spirit. Mm -hmm. And so David came 
and played music on his harp. And what you've got here is a situation where good music has the power to drive Satan from your presence. Mm. Satan was driven away. The evil spirit was driven away. So that's the power of good music. So good music, music is one of the most powerful forms of communication that there is. It's true. Now, if you reverse that equation, then you're going to be drawing Satan in. Mm. And everybody wants to know what genre reverses the equation. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to tell you because I don't have the answer for that. But I do have an answer that has always worked without fault with anybody that I've ever shared the this subject with. Oh, nice. Okay. Here's what you do. You get your music collection. You go you get down on your knees, you surrender your heart to God, and once you know you're fully surrendered to God, you get up off your knees and you go through your music collection and God will show you what to delete and what to keep. Amen. It's that simple. I can't do it for you. Take it to God. Of praise in the hour of darkness. Notes of praise when God seems silent. In questions or pain or anger or shame. There's still a song in the night Sing though the shadows taunt you
Hey guys, that was Kemi Ogendi with Songs in the Night. Fantastic piece of music while we're discussing music. We were just having a most interesting discussion off air about music and the fact that there are no two people on the planet who have exactly the same taste in music. It's good to see that God has given so much variety to our world. Anyway, we've come to the end of our show, which is kind of sad. We always get sad at the end of our show, and we're looking for a uh, book to give away. We still have another clue for our quiz, believe it or not. Can we chuck- See if you can snap this one up in the last couple of seconds. Let's chuck it in real quick. I am an idol, power, or money. An idol, power, or money. Which that- one of those three is the correct answer? 1-800-324-843. Even if you did not hear the previous clues, you've got a one in three chance of just guessing it right. So give us a call right now. one 800 Faith FM, what are we giving away? We are giving away a copy of the book by Ellen White called Praise God in Song, which is very ah, relevant to absolutely. what we've just been talking about. There you go. And, uh, of course, music is central to our worship of God. Always has been, always will be invented by God for that very, very, uh, that very purpose right there. Coming up tomorrow. Oh, by the way, this goes through to the first caller through. Yes. I forgot to mention that yesterday. Y- yes. Oops. First caller. Yeah. Coming up tomorrow, we have an interview. A friend of mine named Mel is going to be coming on the show. Yes. Pretty excited about that. We do. And don't forget to talk faith. Live faith. Act faith. And you will go strong in Jesus Christ. It will indeed.
Never more, they know 
Thank you. 